Welcome to Isaiah's Faith and Democracy, brought to you by Isaiah, a multiracial statewide nonpartisan coalition of faith communities dedicated to building a multiracial democracy. This podcast is a vehicle for congregations, clergy, people of faith, and Minnesotans of goodwill to act collectively and powerfully towards racial and economic equity in the state of Minnesota. Now here's your host, Janae Bates. Welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. This is your hostess with the mostest, Janae Bates with Isaiah. And we are with Isaiah Faith in Democracy. Today, which is our inaugural episode, we are super blessed to be able to have three amazing people join us as we are talking about organizing, of course, but very specifically um, a really important issue around immigration. We have with us today a faith leader uh, who is also currently in sanctuary, um, Lizette. We also have Minister Jane McBride, and we have council member Steve Fletcher. It is important to note that in the background, you may hear uh, some extra voices, and that is because our faith leader, uh, Lizette, is a Spanish speaker, and we have her translator here with us as well. So Reverend McBride, we know that uh, your congregation is a sanctuary congregation. And so uh, why is that so important that, that you're all doing this work in this, this period of uh, immigration crisis? You know, I would just actually qualify that we're sanctuary supporting. We are supporting the work. We're not actually hosting people right now. But why are we engaged in this immigration and sanctuary work? You know, I think for me, it's just really clear that our faith tradition calls for this. Um, to me, God is very simply liberating love. That's that's who God is. And I think the scriptures give us this very clear indication that um, we're to live that out in an ethical way. You know, there's there's a piece about welcoming the stranger. That's something that enriches us as well as everyone else. Welcoming the stranger is a way that we welcome God. I think the scriptures really clearly call for just and fair laws and ways of treating each other and also um, care for the people who are poor or on the margins in some way. And, you know, in a really specific sense, I think that Christianity has been co-opted and has really been the driving force behind colonialism and white supremacy in this country. You know, that is not who we really are. And so we need to get underneath that and recover this sense of a liberating God of love. Councilmember Fletcher, I know that uh, in the midst of what we're seeing nationally, statewide and locally with executive orders happening from the president and um, hearing about raids from ICE in the cities, what is it that, that you have done um, and continue to do that's supporting the immigrant community here in Minnesota? Thanks for asking and thanks for having me. Uh, the For me, this is one of the fundamental issues about how we define our community. It's such an important thing about what defines the city of Minneapolis, that we're welcoming to everybody, that we want everybody who lives in Minneapolis to be able to fully participate in civic life. Uh, you know, we just had National Night Out last night, and it was a great gathering for people who felt comfortable uh, being uh, out in their neighborhood, knowing that police would be coming by to visit uh, in a friendly way. It's supposed to be a community-building opportunity. And if we make it illegal for some people just to be in our neighborhoods, we're making it impossible for that community to really form. 
and for us to really realize our vision of really living in community. It's not just the person who feels like they have to be in hiding who suffers. If I don't get to know my neighbor, I feel less safe. I feel less uh, a part of things. And so we're a much stronger and more vibrant community if we're all able to fully uh, participate. So this is something I care a lot about. And I'll just say, you know, the the full council and, and really our, our, our city as a whole are really committed uh, around this issue. I mean, I was deciding whether or not to run for city council right at the moment that Trump was being elected. Um, and it was kind of clear that, you know, cities are the level at which we're going to be able to protect people from some of the bad things that are coming from the federal government. Uh, and so we take that very seriously. We've been putting a lot of pressure on the county around jail because that was really the hole in our sanctuary status. Uh, when I got into office was that uh, Sheriff Stanick was really cooperating with ICE and exposing people who were put in jail, whether they turned out to have done anything wrong or not, whether they were being charged with anything in the end or not, uh, anybody who went through the system was being exposed to potential deportation. And so uh, we've really you know, done a lot to Im improve that relationship. And obviously, Sheriff Hutchinson is approaching that in a very different way, which we really appreciate. Yes, definitely. And we're working on a municipal ID, which would be a way for people to hopefully get access to some basic services that you need ID for. Mm -hmm. There are gestures sometimes that our law enforcement makes that they intend to make people feel safer. Mm -hmm. And they're not received the same way by everybody. For example, uh, one of the first things that happened when I came into office was the Super Bowl. A lot of the law enforcement that happened around that was intended to be very visible to make tourists feel safe. They had big military vehicles and people out in camouflage. We brought in the National Guard. And if you are a refugee from a place where you experience real war, that does not make you feel safer. That is terrifying. Um, absolutely. And I heard from many people in my community uh, that they liked it, that they took photos with it, that they enjoyed it. But I also heard from many people in my community that it made them feel less safe. And so part of my role in that was sort of being the voice of, hey, can we tone down the military and mm -hmm. like try to make this uh, a comfortable community for lots of people who are coming to this kind of imagery and who experience police and military violence in a different way? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that even as a, a black American myself being those those giant tanks and things like that is it's not at all something that makes me feel safe. As a matter of fact, it does quite the opposite. I feel less safe um, in in a kind of military state situation. I appreciate that. Lizette, you know, you have um, a very different experience around this issue. What, uh, if you could, just um, tell us a little bit about your own story and what led you to Minnesota? Uh, thank you. Okay, thank you for having me here. I am from Honduras. My name is Lisette, and I am here in the, in the state of Minnesota. I live in a sanctuary church here in the state with my nine-year-old son. I came to the United States uh, for better opportunities for my son. Uh, hiding from the violence that is seen in my country. Also, so that my son would have better educational opportunities. Uh, because in my country, there's no opportunities for jobs. There's threats from gangs. And then also because of the possibility that my son could possibly become involved in drugs later. 
vine porque me imaginaba un, un país un país muy bueno para mí y mi hijo. I came because I imagined a better country for myself and my son. Fue muy difícil llegar hasta aquí. It was very difficult to get all the way here. Emprendí el viaje sin dinero. I started the trip without any money. Eh, con ayuda de personas de por los países que pasé. With help from the people from the countries that I traveled through. Pidiendo rides en diferentes carros. Asking for rides from whoever would give one. Viajando en bus. Traveling by bus. En trailers. In trailers, sleeping in mountains, on the street. Uh, twice we also became lost in the mountains. But after 20 days, we were able to arrive to the United States. Uh, I crossed the, the Rio. Me entregué a la patrulla fronteriza. I turned myself in to the border patrol. Cuando me entregué a la patrulla fronteriza, dije yo, pensé que estaba bien y que era lo mejor when que I, había pasado a mí y a mi hijo. When I turned myself over to the border patrol, I thought this is the best thing that could happen for myself and my son. No me imaginaba nunca lo que iba a pasar entre unas horas más. I could never imagine what would happen in the span of a couple hours. Llegamos a la oficina de inmigración. We arrived to an uh, immigration office. Estuve junto a mi hijo durante cuatro horas. I was with my son for uh, four hours. Luego me dijeron que tendría que ir a una, a una corte con un juez. Then they told me I'd have to go to a court with a judge. Que regresaría dentro de tres horas. That I'd be back within three hours. Pero que mi hijo tenía que quedar en la oficina de inmigración. But that my son had to stay in that immigration office. Yo dije al policía, no puedo irme y dejar solo a mi hijo. I told the officer, I can't leave without my son. El policía me dijo, no es que, no es porque quiera, sino que es una orden. Uh, the officer said, it's not because of what you want. This is an order. Entonces tuve que acceder. So I had to appease. Mi hijo quedó dormido en el piso. My son remains sleeping on the floor. Uh, en, en unas, bueno, nosotros les llamamos hieleras horribles de, de frío. En a hielera, what we call a hielera or an ice box. Uh, pues me trasladaron como a 40 minutos de donde dejé a mi hijo. They transferred me somewhere that was 40 minutes away from where I left my son. A otras hieleras peores, más frías. To a worse icebox that was cold, more colder. Donde de, de mamás igual que mí. Where there was hundreds of mother like, mothers like myself. Igual de sus hijos. Also separated from their children. What happened afterwards was that I never returned where my son was. Vine a ver a mi hijo hasta los un mes, diez días. I saw my son until after a month and 10 days. Ahora puedo decir que and now I can say that it's the most horrible thing that you could do to a mother. And I think that's not okay. The truth that we immigrants get 
We come here because we want better opportunities. Not to be treated this way. Also, our children have no fault in any of this. And it's horrible because me as a mother, as an adult, I can understand things. Pero mi hijo no. But my child can't. My son was transferred to a children's center. Y sufrió mucho. And he suffered greatly. Sufrió de, de hambre. He suffered hunger. Maltratos. He suffered from maltreatment. Incluso el día que me lo entregaron. The day that they uh, gave him to me. Me lo entregaron con la misma ropa que lo dejé en la estación migratoria. They gave me, they gave him to me with the same clothes that I last saw him at that immigration office. Pues, lo que puedo decir es que no. Lo que puedo, All I can say is. Lo que puedo decir es que. What I can say is. En este país. In this country. Así como hay muchas personas racistas, As there are a lot of people who are racist, hay muchas personas buenas. There are also a lot of people who are good. Ahora estoy viviendo en una iglesia santuario. Now I'm living in a sanctuary church. Y es lo mejor que me ha podido pasar. And it's the best thing that could have happened to me. Después de, de todo lo que he pasado con mi hijo. After all that happened to me and my son. Y me gustaría que todas las personas igual que mí inmigrantes And I'd like for all the folks like me who are immigrants to feel as safe. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that with us, Lizette. I am so incredibly sorry uh, that you had to experience so much um, and that so many people in this world, in this country, have to experience so much hardship at the hand of uh, a really hard-hearted country and policies and laws that are unjust and 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 given unfairly. And so uh, it's a, another reason why we're having this conversation today, why it is so important that people realize that these stories are happening on a daily basis, on a minute-to-minute basis, and that we don't have to just sit and hear it as, as pity porn, but instead that we can collectively do something about it, that we can declare that every single family has the ability to thrive, that they should have the ability to thrive, whether they're black or white or newcomer or Minnesota-born, that we all uh, have a role in this. I want to ask you, Reverend McBride, what, what is at stake for us? What is at stake for you, for your community, if we don't do this work collectively? You know, I think it's our very humanity. I mean, we're, we're interconnected. We belong to each other. You know, the the divine is in each one of us, and we're denying that by the way that we are conducting ourselves as a nation. And I, I think we just have to make it clear that there is a deep and broad moral voice in in Minnesota and in this whole nation that is utterly opposed to our immigration policies and believes that they're completely immoral. That this is not sort of one or two lone voices. This is a moral consensus in this country. That's right. And so I think, you know, our humanity and the soul of our country are what's at stake here. Thank you. What about for you, Councilman Fletcher? 
I think white supremacy and white nationalism thrive on silence. And part of the reason that we need to act collectively uh, is to nullify any doubt that this is our moral consensus, uh, that we do want Lisette and her child and everybody with a story like this to be welcomed with open arms Mm -hmm. and to never be treated this way again. And if anybody is left with the room that they can imagine they're part of a silent majority uh, that supports what our president is doing, that supports what's being done on our behalf, it is humiliating to me that this is being done on our behalf. But if I don't say that out loud, if I just sit with that, Mm -hmm. then the person next to me can imagine uh, that we're all complicit in it, that we that we all tacitly support it. And so I think collective action, there are times that I think what we do at the city council, the resolutions we pass, they feel symbolic, right? Mm-hmm. People say, well, what's that really going to do for people? But I think sometimes it's actually very important to do the symbols, yeah. uh, to, to use all of our power, uh, our ceremonial power in faith contexts, our uh, formal power in municipal contexts and in government contexts, uh, to say as clearly as we can in as many voices as we can uh, that uh, we believe that people are people, that we believe everybody should be welcome here, uh, that those are values that we all share. And then, Lizette, I know that since arriving to Minnesota, you have gotten more involved with Isaiah. Um, for you, why is it so important that we're doing this um, collectively? As you know, we've, we've got over 60 congregations that are part of the Sanctuary and Sanctuary Supporting Network here in Minnesota. And so God bless you for getting involved with us. If you could talk a little bit more about that. Well, I think that it's very important that as Latinos and as immigrants to to become involved in uh, different community activities. That there are organizations here that have people of good faith and good hearts uh, to help uh, all of us who uh, are in need of that help. Uh, help us in the different ways that in all the different ways that we need help. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, and I, I just want to reiterate for those listening that this particular episode was chosen because it does highlight the, the power of collective action, what it means for people who, who may consider themselves on the outskirts, for undocumented folk who live in our state, um, who are just trying to thrive and survive like the rest of us, that there is a, an opportunity, a space for you, that you are welcome here, that there are so many people of good faith and good heart who believe in in power, right? And so at Isaiah, we talk about power being organized people and organized money. And, And when we actually come together and work together, we really can create the state. We can build that that multiracial democracy where everyone's in and no one's out. And so I thank you, Lizette, for coming and sharing your very powerful story. I thank you, Reverend McBride, for continuing to be a part of the Sanctuary Network, continuing to do the good work, the hands and feet of God. And I thank you, Councilmember Fletcher, for being that representative for your city, for the people who, who are of good heart, who are pushing you. Um, and so every listener should know that you should get connected to an organization, get connected to your city council, write your legislators, tell them 
that there is no way that the state of Minnesota will be wielded as a weapon against those who, who deserve better, because we all do. Uh, thank you again for listening. This is Isaiah's Faith and Democracy. This has been Isaiah's Faith and Democracy. Isaiah is a multiracial, multi-faith, statewide, nonpartisan coalition of faith communities. Isaiah can be found online at isaiahm.org, spelled I-S-A-I-A-H-M-N dot O-R-G. Please hit subscribe on whatever service you found this podcast to make sure you are informed of future shows. Isaiah is a nonprofit organization that survives on your donations. Please consider supporting this podcast by visiting our website and clicking donate at the top of the homepage. We sincerely thank you. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are of the host and guest alone and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Isaiah or Minnesota Podcasting. We hope you join us for the next episode of Isaiah's Faith and Democracy.